Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Gdansk, Cowboy versus Darren Till. And man, Darren Till just got a main event spot against Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, this is the biggest fight of his career, you know, coming off that impressive win against Boyan. And he gets the opportunity to take out one of the best to ever do it in Cerrone. And we're going to see if Till's really the real deal or if Cerrone's on his way out. You know, it's funny because we've seen this kind of scenario over the last few years. I mean, oh, since the beginning of the UFC, really, but especially over the last few years. You know, you see guys like Duho Choi take on Cub Swanson. You see Mirsad Bektik take on Darren Elkins. I know there's another one I'm forgetting about right now. Jason Knight versus Lamas. Jason Knight versus Lamas. These scenarios happen over and over again. And it seems like oftentimes the vet prevails, but then you get a situation like Emmanuel Sanchez versus Daniel Strauss, and the prospect came through. So it's going to be very interesting to see if Tiller Cerrone wins. But we got to start at the beginning of the car because we got Josh Emmett. He's minus 340, Shaq. The comeback on Felipe Certanejo Aranches is plus 280. Now, this fight's at 145 pounds. Felipe's going up. Josh is going down. What do you think is going to happen at this matchup? Um, You know, I see minus 340. Josh Emmett, which is a little steep, but, you know, sometimes people make underdog plays just because the line's off, and I think they should pass here because I think Emmett's going to win this fight, and I think he's going to win it handedly. Um, Felipe Arantes, you know, he's a he's not even the biggest bantamweight on the roster when he was at, at bantamweight, and he's fighting Emmett, who's just so much stronger physically. He hits hard. He's got more power. He's tougher, in my opinion. And he's got more will. When I say tougher, I mean Emmett will dig deeper to to get a win. I've seen Felipe fold against Feely. I've seen him fold against Goito when he had his back fully mounted. Did you see him fold or did you see him give up position? Just just, just the, the overall IQ of his game. It's just not very good. His takedown defense isn't good. And he's fighting a guy that's got at least 15 to 20 pounds on him fight night. And, you know, it is a serious cut for Emmett. We'll see if he can make the cut, but... You know, I think that Felipe is going to feel the shots on the feet. Felipe might be the better striker, but when Emmett lands, he's going to feel it. And we already know what happens the more you work and work Felipe. He will do something stupid. The guy is notorious for beating himself. You know, he'll take care of the, the jobbers like Jared Sanders and Eves Jablains, the guys that are not in the UFC anymore. But I think Emmett will keep his spot in the UFC. Not that that matters, but I think Emmett's just on a different level. And I think Emmett's going to win the exchanges on the feet. Felipe will land some flying knees, a head kick here and there. But the more he just leans on Felipe, the more he makes him work, I see Felipe feeling it, accepting bottom position, and accepting a loss. And I think Emmett gets a decision win. Well, when we, when we talk about keeping your spot in the roster, Felipe has been in the UFC since UFC 147. So, I mean, it's not like this guy's getting cut anytime soon. But with Emmett, I am surprised that he's dropping to 145 pounds, man. I thought that he was one of the stockier guys at 155. I always used to say that he's the kind of guy you hit him on the forehead and you break your hand. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's one of those guys. And he's a little muscle head. So I'm kind of surprised he's dropping to 45 with Felipe Aranches. I do think the cuts to 35 were getting a little bit too brutal for him. As you saw, he had to pull out of his last one against Luke Sanders. And honestly, I thought that was such a better matchup for Felipe Aranches than this one is because I thought that 
Luke will tap out easily, and we know that Felipe Aranches will scramble for submissions all over the place. It's going to be hard to tap out an alpha male guy because you know what Josh Emmett, he's training with these guys who are on his neck all day, every day. It's just the cut that really gives me pause here. And Shaq, since you went with the minus 340 favorite, you know what? I'm going to take the plus 280 dog. I think that there's going to be moments where he's going to be laying on his back. We're going to be like, yep, Felipe never learned his lesson. And somewhere along the way, Maybe he catches a heel hook. Maybe he sweeps and gets on top. He gets full mount, lands a couple of big shots. I think they're going to have a scrambly fest. I think it's going to be a close split decision. So for that reason, I'm going to take the plus 280 dog, and I'm going to pass from a bet. Now next up, Warley Alves. He's taking on the newcomer, Salim Tuakri. And currently there's no line on it, but as you know, Shaq, Warley Alves is going to be a big favorite here. And look, the newcomer, he's 10-1. He hasn't fought since last year, but he's got a good record. He comes to finish fights, but he's got a big step up, step up in competition with Worley Alves. I mean, with Worley, we're dealing with a guy that has wins over Alan Juban, Nordin Taleb, and, and Colby Covington. You, you know, These are the kind of caliber fighters that Worley Alves is beating. And I know he's coming off two straight losses where he got humiliated, but I mean, you know, this guy uh, that he's fighting now, it has nothing to do with Kamaru Usman, you know. I, I, I see this being that first-round guillotine that has eluded Worley Alves' last few fights. I see him getting back on track here. It could be the classic letdown spot. You know how it goes with those last-minute switch-ups. But I don't think it's going to be that situation because I don't think Worley was necessarily excited to fight his initial opponent, Jim Wallhead. I think he was just excited to get back in there and get another win, which he desperately needs. So that's going to be the case here. First round guillotine, but look, if it goes past the first round, you know, I, uh, Worley Alves is uh, what my boy Mike Biggie Rhodes likes to refer to as a gassing assassin. So don't be surprised if he starts to wilt a little bit. But look, this ain't this ain't uh, Kamaru Usman. This ain't who's the other guy that broke him? Barbarina. This ain't Barbarina. So I, I see Worley Alves taking care of biz, keeping his spot on the roster, and getting a win here. Yeah, you know, Worley Alves in the past, he's a guy I had my eye on the fade. You know, I faded him against Kobe Covington and lost, you know, take the loss on the chin. But then, you know, I came back his next fight. And, you know, I hit that plus 400 Barbarina on Worley just because, like we said, if you make Worley work and make him really work, he'll quit. And But you have to have the skills to be able to do that. I don't know if this newcomer has the skills to do that. I wouldn't be shocked, but I'm the Worley's the pick here. I'm gonna say by first round TKO, but um, just keep your just keep your eye out for Worley. He's one of those guys that you like to uh, to fade when he's fighting guys that'll make him work. Now here we got a brawl, man. Because look, we got Andre Feliz minus one sixty. The comeback on Artem Lobov is plus one forty. What are you thinking, man? Yeah, you know I'm a huge fan of Artem. You know I bet him against uh, Chris Avila. Minus 115, and you know, I like to bet him in those spots like against Teruto, Chris Avila, these lower level guys that he can kind of punk out or, you know, just get in their heads and guys where his skill level he's on par with. And, you know, when he's fight, when he's fighting club, you definitely see the clear, the clear gap in skills after the first round. And, uh, you know, Philly, look, he's a 500 fighter. He's got wins over Hakran. He's got wins over, you know, Mowgli Benitez. And to be honest, I have to take the fanboy out of me for this one. I think Philly's going to get the job done. I love Artem, but Philly's just a better fighter on the feet. Like, I, I, Artem's going to fight tough. I think he's going to hang in there, but I do think Philly will butcher him up a little bit, touch him up from the outside. Philly's coming off that devastating loss to Calvin Qatar in his last fight, which is kind of a letdown spot, but if we're being honest, Qatar is just the 
better fighter, you know what I'm saying? And uh, that's not the case here. Um, Artem's got to knock Philly out, which is which no one's never done, you know what I'm saying? So I think Philly's actually going to uh, put on a clear decision win here. And uh, I think a, a good a good bet for, you know, y'all prop betters uh, is not Philly inside the distance because we know Artem's tough and we, we know he's going to hang in here for the uh, three rounds. It's a good-ass fight, man. You know, history shows that Andre Feely is going to win this fight. He wins one, loses one, wins one, loses one. But as you know, you can't bet fights based on, you know, what the records say. It's just interesting that he's jumping back on the horse so fast after the ass-whooping that Calvin Cater gave him. I mean, Calvin Cater taught him a lesson. A lot of people don't know about Calvin Cater. I'm not even sure that Calvin Cater's ranked top 15 yet unrightfully so i mean this is a guy that's gonna make waves he's got top five potential he's 18 and two so you know no shame in taking an ass whooping to a guy like that the issue is that he didn't take enough time off he, he's one of these tough guys that feels like okay i want to get right back up on the horse get back in there get another win get the bitter taste out of my mouth but he's taking on artem lobov who we know he's a 500 fighter but look this whole camp, he's been working on his hands. As you know, he's been in there with Conor McGregor working on boxing. So we know his hands have gotten better since the last time we saw him fight. Now, obviously, there's other elements to the game. Feely could decide to take him down. Feely's got good takedowns, man. You know, Feely takes him down, and Artem's most likely not getting up. But if they decide to stand and bang, and, you know, I know Andre Feely's the kind of guy that does love to trade. You remember his UFC debut against Jeremy Larson. They went three straight rounds trading until he broke Larson. It was unbelievable. If they stand and trade, I do think there's a chance for a counter uh, knockout from Artem Lobov. You know, most likely Feely by decision, but since everyone's on Feely, you know what? Let's go with the dog here. Let's go with Artem Lobov for the upset. I think his short little arms are going to get a nice little counter left hook here, and I think he's going to put down touchy Feely. Now it's, it's time to make some money, man. You ready? It's time to put our, our balls and our cash checks on the line because we got Ramazan Amiv, he's minus 135. The comeback on Sam Alvey is plus 115. Now, you know what Sharps do, Shaq? Sharps take <laughs> a plus 100 and they turn it into a minus 135. And that's exactly what we did. Tell, tell them who you got here. Yeah, you know, Alvey's a tough guy. Alvey wins fights. I mean, he's got a winning UFC record. And, you know, Ramazan Amiv coming in, making his debut. M1 champion, a two-time M1 champion. And you know, generally when newcomers in, newcomers come in, you like to just be safe. It's his UFC debut. He's not very tested, but that's not the case with Ramazan Amiv. Amiv is very tested on the Russian scene. All the guys he fought on the Russian scene have winning records, and I'm not talking six and four or you know something like that. I'm talking like thirty-one and five. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like against against all good guys. You know he's fought Mario Miranda twice and won. He fought Michael uh, Falso. Falcao. He fought Luigi Foravanti. He fought Tokov, who's fighting uh, Salter for the number one contender in Bellator upcoming. So, and that guy's like twenty and two. So that shows you can you can honestly say that. Amiv's his last few wins are better than Alvi's. I mean, Alvi's he beat Nate Marquardt, who's a little old, but the name, the name, but shout Rashad, out, who's a little old, a, you know, <laughs> but, you know any, 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 and those are close decisions. Look, this is all my. I like Alvi, but the game, <coughs> the game plan to beat Alvi is very simple, especially on short notice. He took this fight on ten days notice, and he's sucking a lot of weight. The game plan to beat Alvi is very simple. All you have to do is stay away from him on the feet. And Amiv is a tie-up master. He's so good on the clinch. 
he's very educated in the clinch. Amiib doesn't take any unnecessary risk and slug it out unless he's fighting like a a, a Falcao or something like that. But like Amiib knows knows where his strengths lie. He's gonna tie him up against that fence, kill clock, and he's a master at octagon control. And one thing about Sam Alvey, he concedes octagon control. He's not gonna be the aggressor. He's not gonna move forward. He'll throw a little uppercut straight left hand to try to, you know, land his punch. And we're going to see it coming from a mile away. I actually do think Ameev can take him down. Rashad Evans took him down. Nate Marquardt took him down. And, you know... Dylan Andrews took him Dylan down. Dylan Andrews took him down. So I think Ameev, a combat sambo world champion, will take him down. I don't think he's going to do it consistently, but I think he will to sell off one of the rounds. I think he'll, it'll be a lackluster fight, and Ameev will get the job done. All he has to do is stay away from one thing. That's the only thing... Alvi has that he can beat us. He can't beat us in the clinch. He's not going to beat us in the jujitsu department. Amiv's got this fight won as long as he stays away. And I love the fact that Amiv's not a wild, like a slugger type of guy. The guy is known for beating guys in the tie-up, known for leaning on guys. And Alvi on 10 days notice, cutting a lot of weight in Poland. I like Amiv a lot. Two units to win two. Yeah. I got two units to win two as well. You know, he jumped on that plus 100. And this is just one of those situations where, look, I'm a fan of Alvy as well as a person. You know, he's a really nice guy. But in terms of his fighting, if you bet on Alvy, I mean... I'm waiting on the left. Uh, how, how frustrating is it when he can't even cash the under one and a half against Kevin Casey? You, you know what I'm saying? And just because you're waiting for him to, to land that counter right hand, uh, there's no guarantee it's ever going to happen, man. It hasn't happened since what? Since he fought Mutanchi? You know, you know what I'm saying, man? So this is just one of those cases where Ramazan Amiv, he's too smart. And it might be boring. He might clinch him up against the fence. He might, you know, tie up. You know, he might separate and then just land a couple shots, then circle off, do nothing, and then wait for the opportune time to steal the round with a takedown. But that's what we need when we're betting on these fights. And, and he's got the kind of experience necessary to take on a guy like Sam Alvey, who has wins over Rashad Evans, Dan Kelly, Cesar Mutanj. He's been in there with everybody, Nate Marcourt. But I think Ramazan Amiv is on that level i think the line flipped for a reason and i see uh, amiv going out there and getting this dominant decision but i didn't play a prop as you know Shaq. i just play it straight at plus 100 two units i still think there's value at minus 135 but obviously i like the line we got better so you know i think uh russia is about to take care of business here now next up the return of brian kelleher after uh chito vera broke his arm Brian Kelleher is minus 120. The comeback on Damian Stasiak is plus 100. And I got to tell you what, man. When I max bet Pedro Munoz in a parlay, you know, he's like minus five. So, you know, I, don't, I didn't play him straight. He was in a parlay. When I bet Pedro Munoz to play Damian Stasiak, you know, I, I thought it was an easy contest. I thought this was going to be, you know, I thought I could go outside for 10 minutes, make a phone call, come in, and, you know, see money in my account. And, uh, Stasiak put up a fight, man. Stasiak's no slouch. Stasiak even won a round on one of the judges' scorecards, man. And, and I'll tell you, on two of the judges' scorecards, and I'll tell you what, man. You know, the kid's got a nice spinning back kick. He's got a decent jiu-jitsu game. He's improving every time he fights. And now that he's fighting in Poland, I feel like this could be his homecoming. And with Brian Kelleher, he's one of these guys that... He's very lucky to be in the position he's in. You know, on the regional scene, you know, he went the distance with Jimmy, Jimmy Rivera, lost. But when he, but he went the distance. He has a couple respectable 
wins on the regional scene. You know, he beat Julio Arce. He beat Andre Sukumtat. But when he got to the UFC, he goes in there with Yuri in Brazil. And, you know, Yuri is totally lighting him up on the feet. And then Yuri is like, wow, this is so easy that I can start doing things that I don't normally do. Because normally I got to be super cautious and careful because of the high level opponents that I'm fighting. That he just goes ahead and shoots a takedown without even setting it up and leaves his head outside. And Brian Kelleher uh, snatched that shit right away. I mean... Aljamain Sterling even said that Brian Kelleher's only dangerous move is that guillotine. Yuri just, uh, wrong place, wrong time. It was just a mistake. And, and Yuri, nine times out of ten, Yuri whoops his ass, but they don't fight ten times. Brian won that one. Much respect. But uh, that's about the extent of it. Look, Charlie Brenneman beat Rick Story. You know what I'm saying? Mitch Clark beat Ally Kinta. Shit happens. I, I think Stasiak's about to take care of business here and expose the fact that Kelleher really is a jobber and a one-hit wonder. Yeah, you know, Stasiak, the improvements he made from the Davy Grant fight to the to the Pedro Minos fight were alarming, man, in a good way. They were just like, the fact that he could, against a guy like Pedro who comes at you like a savage, like Pedro gives no fucks, he just charges at you and he wants to bang and he wants to create chaos. And Stasiak did fairly well with that chaos better than a lot of other guys. You know, Stasiak in the Davy Grant fight, you know, he'd get... He actually, his takedowns look really good in that fight. His single leg, you know, his jujitsu, he swept him a couple times, and we saw him finish him off with an arm bar as well. And then, you know, Pedro is a black belt. You can't, you can't really mess with Pedro on the mat, but here, this is a good spot for him because Kelleher's approach is just to charge right in, throw big right hands, you know, try to get the guillotine. And I just think, like, he's a, he's a workman fighter. Not saying that Stasiak is that much above him but i think stasiak you know he's training at jackson's now he did a part half of his camp at jackson's now with you know the other poles marching tabira and whatnot and now he's getting more he's getting better i mean it's striking bro when you go toe-to-toe with pedro a top 15 guy like that the way he did and like he was throwing body kicks he had hands he had movement it just looked like a completely different guy I'm going to take Stasiak here, and I'm going to say by finish, actually. I think he's going to finish him off with a Narmbar, a Kimura, a Guillotine, something like that. And uh, I think uh, Stasiak will move on to bigger and better things. What's keeping us away from this plus 100? You know, we got other plays on the line. You know, there is a chance I end up playing this Stasiak line, but uh, stay tuned to BestFightPicks.com or at BestFightPicks on Twitter, and I'll let you know if I do. Now, next up on the card, you ready? So... Adam uh, Weisherek, he's minus 125, and he's taking on the returning Anthony Hamilton, who's plus 105. Now, two weeks ago, Anthony Hamilton got knocked out in 10 seconds, and then, uh, and then you, you know, three weeks ago, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it, you know, last week, uh, Anthony Hamilton got knocked out by Daniel Spitz and, and quit the sport. And now uh, he decided that, you know, there was, there was a little opening. I could use an extra 20K before my retirement. I'm going to... You know, get paid twenty k to go to Europe, go to Poland for the first time in my life, have a good time, and you know, good time outside of the octagon. Oh, he's been to Poland before, (laughs) (laughs) but has he ever been to Gdansk, Poland? That that's the real question. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna go to Gdansk for the first time in his life. You know, hopefully he can fly his family out, have a nice vacation. You know, they don't have Disneyland over there, but whatever the equivalent is. You know what I'm saying? Just go in there and enjoy yourself because. The 15 minutes or less he spends in the octagon with Adam are not going to be very enjoyable. And look, Adam isn't the best, but he's fighting Anthony Hamilton. He's got that going for him. And I mean, look, 
he's going to stay tight. He's going to stay composed. Hopefully, he can slip off the center line, land that right hand, which has been a big weapon against Anthony Hamilton in his last two fights. I mean, we got 205ers like Marcelo Fortuna, you know, making uh, Anthony Hamilton, you know, run halfway across the octagon face first into the fence, and the ref has to intervene. And then also, you know, Daniel Spitz, who, uh, loses decisions to Mark Godbeer is knocking out Anthony Hamilton in 10 seconds. So it's one of those things where it's a system fade. If Anthony Hamilton is fighting, you fade Anthony Hamilton, especially when his opponent is dog money. And look, I took the – what line did I get that fucker at? I think I got, him at, I got him plus 110. Currently, it's minus 125. Look, that, that, that's what we do around here. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what sharps do. Plus 110. It's currently minus 125. There's still value because if you're looking to fade – you know, one of the worst fighters in UFC history, in Anthony Hamilton, hey, it's only minus 125. So I'd go for it. I'm going for it because, look, let's say this loses. That's okay because long term, you fade Anthony Hamilton and you will be profitable. So I put uh, one unit on Adam at plus 110. Let's get it. Yeah, like we said, we have the system fades where, you know, certain guys you fade no matter what just because they don't win fights or they quit or just these type of factors. And, you know, Hamilton, he charges in with his face first. He does it time after time. He did it against Todd Duffy, and he looked like he looked like garbage, man. The guy just walks forward with his face and swings, and he's not very accurate. You know, in the tie-ups, I mean, he might be a little stronger, but I think when you get the the point where he's at in his in his career when you know your chin diminishes when you retire when you retire your whole your whole game diminishes he's not the guy that could you know muscle someone up in the clinch anymore or you know take Omalunchuk down for three rounds and actually pull off a win you know his whole his whole game has diminished and you know like we said dog money to fade Hamilton I messed up on UFC Pittsburgh by not betting Spitz because I thought Spitz sucked and you know I just didn't want any part of it, but then, you know, when Spitz goes out there and knocks him in the first exchange with a slip right, then you feel like an idiot, and you're just like, wow, that was free money on the table, but I think uh, even even if we lose, man, you got it, like you said, fade Hamilton, dog money, plus 110, I only bet one unit, this ain't like no three-unit play or like my most confident play of the night or anything like that, but... You fade Anthony Hamilton when you have dog money, and the guy just retired the other day. He said this was the last ride for the freight train. He's already thinking about retirement, and he and he said, and then when he came back, he said the freight train isn't done, but he said it ain't done yet. So, you know, after this, then it'll be officially done. But, you know, I went with uh, Adam here, and uh, I'm I'm hoping for a slip right knockout. But if Adam can get him on the mat and beat him as well, I'll take that as well. Yeah, whatever it takes. Now, speaking of system fades, Marcin Held, he's minus 440. <laughs> the comeback on Narsat Hackparast is plus 350. Now, speaking of system fades, man, I mean, look, Marcin Held, I don't understand the hype, man. I mean, people have been acting like this dude like is something special. Like, even back in the Bellator days when he was getting broken by Dave Jansen and Will Brooks. And he comes over to the UFC and, look, you know, they give him litmus tests. Like, you know, they give him Diego Sanchez, Joe Lozon. Like, like you know, you can beat those guys, right? Wrong. You can't even beat those motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? And they, then they put him in there with Demir Hadzovic. We cash a nice plus 265. And people are acting like that was a fluke win just because Marcin won the first two rounds. But let's talk about those first two rounds. Held would, uh, get a, would get lit up on the feet. 
And then Demir would throw a high kick. He'd fall down with the high kick. And then Held would lay on him for the rest of the round. Hey, win the round however you got to. But that's the reality of what happened. Then the third round comes around. And, uh, you know, Held isn't comfortable with his 2-0 lead. He decides, you know what? I'm going to try an Imanari roll in the middle of a UFC fight. Look, this ain't uh, Abu Dhabi. This ain't fucking Naga. This ain't, you know what I'm saying? This ain't Eddie Bravo Invitational. This is the UFC's octagon. I- I'm going to try an Imanari roll against a-, a pro fighter. And and you saw what happened there. He got kneed into oblivion. I thought he was going to retire. I thought he'd never fight again. But coincidentally enough, the UFC re- returned to Poland. So, you know, they got to bring the little Polish weasel, Marcin Heldin. And he was supposed to fight Timu Pakelin, who, you know, was a total jobber. But I, I would have probably still bet Timu there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> look, look, let's be honest about it. Timu got knocked out by Mark DeCasey. Is Marcin Held anything like Mark DeCasey? No, 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 he's not. Timu Pakelin lost to Labu. I mean, Labu would beat Held too. Look, <laughs> when, when guys like Diego Sanchez and Joe Lozon, and you can call it a robbery, you can say whatever the fuck you want, Marcin Held does not win fights, and that's the bottom line. So when you give me a plus 350 to fade him, look, I get that Narsat, he's making his UFC debut, he's green, this and that, but look, he's still, what, he's a 7-1 fighter? I mean, the guy goes out there, he wins fights, he takes people down, he's dominant. I think we're going to have the Bellator game plan of beating Held. Back when, you know, dudes would take him down, they'd avoid the leg locks, and then uh, Marcin would quit and pound him out or uh, or just win the decision. And I think that's what's going to happen here. At least at plus 350, I got to find out because one of these fuckers is going to learn, man. Marcin Held is not a minus 440 kind of guy. And that's the bottom line. He's 0-3 in the UFC. He's lost four of his last five in general. And the guy just is not very good and that's the bottom line so i got the newcomer narsat one unit plus 350 you know i wouldn't go that far to say martin isn't good because you know he does have some wins on his resume like Derek anderson he used to be good um you know what i'm saying but uh the fact of the matter is there's a clear blueprint on how to beat him and people have done it several times back when uh michael chandler did it initially what he do you know he outlasted him got on top and held quit and then you know when dave jansen did it you know he was a kid for that fight but dave jansen got out the heel hook in round one and then he leaned on him and marcin quit and then you know when he did it against will brooks you know what happened he kind of tore will brooks's knee off and then he quit and you know there's there's holes in Martin's striking there's holes in his wrestling there's holes in his cardio and there's holes in his heart man like the guy the guy if when Martin has his way he's amazing but when he doesn't ha- but when he doesn't have his way <laughs> he'll find a way out uh, hold on when he has his way i won't go as far as saying he's amazing when I mean, he ha- when he has he'll, his he'll way look, he'll, he'll he's a blanket Exactly. I mean, you know, he did, you know, dominate Hatsovic for two rounds, but when I dominate, come on. It was 10 9. Yeah, but I mean, the fight wasn't. He won the first two rounds, you know what I'm saying? By taking him down and staying on top, which might happen here. And if it happens, hey, I take it on the chin. It doesn't mean that it's a bad play. You just fade Marching Held. And, you know, Nashrad, you know, he's a. a tri-star guy or a, allegedly a King's MMA guy, but I see him training it with uh, OAM and Joe Duffy. So just being in that atmosphere, man, hopefully he knows how to uh, – I'm sure they got him on the heel hook defense, uh, the leg lock defense and whatnot. And, you know, and he's actually a pretty good wrestler in his last fight. You know, he, he fought this uh, French guy, and the guy was teeing off on him, and then he stayed so calm and like – I thought he was Russian. No, he was French, I think. 
he uh, outlasted him. He waited for his opportunity to get on top, and he straight pounded the guy out. And uh, hopefully he can do that here, man. I know it's going to be a tough test. He's, he, he can't panic when Marcin goes for the hill hook. I mean, but when's the last time Marcin actually got a hill hook? Exactly, man. Look, the deal with these leg lock guys is that they're front runners. And I'm not saying that, you know, look, a well-rounded martial artist with leg locks in their arsenal, that's not what I'm referring to at all. I'm talking about the guys that only go for leg locks, the guys that live and die by the leg lock. Those guys are front runners. They're bullies because if they get that leg lock, firstly, it's one of the most devastating submissions in the history of the sport. You get one of those. Wow, you tear someone's ACL. You tear their knee. You do all these things. But if you can't get it, for some reason, these guys tend to quit. You've seen it time and time again. Rusimar Tokino, Marcin Held. I know guys on the regional scene that uh, that are the same way, man. So yeah, there's there's a bully mentality with this with these leg lock guys, and uh, I think Narset's the kind of guy that, that can expose that. Now we got to talk about the main card. We got Oscar Piachota. He's minus one eighty five. The comeback on Johnny Bravo. Jonathan Wilson is plus one sixty. Now it's interesting. Initially, I was actually considering taking the underdog shot on Jonathan Wilson. I was like, look, man, he's dropping 20 pounds. He's not fighting Ion Kutaleva anymore. You know what I'm saying? He trains with Lorenz Lark and this and that. But then I checked out this dude, Piachota. Piachota has made huge improvements. You know, he used to just be one of those... You know, I don't want to say pull guard and sweep kind of guys, but, you know, he's one of those Euro grapplers. You know, he'd stay on top of you for three rounds, do the, you know, do the whole bit. But now he's going out there knocking dudes out in under a minute with head kicks, with left hooks. The guy's feeling more confident than ever. He circles on the outside. He waits for you to come to him. And then he counters uh, when he finds his opportunity. And with Wilson, I think Wilson will give him that opportunity because Wilson is so inactive in there. It's almost like... You know, if you're not Chris Dempsey, the dude ain't feeling himself. He ain't that confident at all. The only question I have is dropping 20 pounds. You got to put in a lot of work to drop those 20 pounds. That means he's taking this seriously. That means he's probably in the best shape of his life. Unless I'm completely wrong and he's expecting to just cut those pounds. I don't think he's cutting them. I think he's losing them. There's a big difference between cutting cutting weight and losing weight. I think he's losing the weight, so therefore he's going to be in way better shape. That being said, you can't teach that fighter's heart, that fighter's will, that fighter's mentality. Not that he doesn't have it. You know, I'm sure he does. He went undefeated on the regional scene. He has a win in the UFC. But when we're talking about this guy, Piachota, I can tell you right here, right now, Shaq, he wants to be here. He wants this finish. And I think that's exactly what he's going to get. So I got uh, I got my boy Oscar here. Yeah, you know, when I <clears throat> look at Wilson, <clears throat> I question if he really wants to be there. You know, in the Frankenstein to Silva fight, he uh, wobbled Frankenstein to Silva several times, but the second he realized that Frankenstein was going to be here, he completely gassed out. And then in the second round, he got on top, and then he ended up going to his back and getting pounded out really bad. And, uh, and you know, I just question if he, if it, when adversity comes, will he be able to thrive and get through it? And uh, Piachota, he's got a nice left hook. I see he's got a nice left high kick as well. And, you know, he's got some jujitsu and. You know, with Wilson, if we can get him down, I feel like his whole MO will just diminish and I feel like he'll he'll start to question himself like he has in the past. You know, guys just walk him down and he's just always on the defensive when he when he can't, you know, land the left kick in the left hand. You know, early I see uh, Wilson probably, you know, landing some left body kicks and left hands, but the longer Piachota stays in there, the longer he makes him feel his presence, I feel like Wilson will eventually break and Oscar will get the win. Now, I hear you got money on the line for this one, man, because we got Devin Clark. He's minus 155, and the comeback on Jan Blankovic 
is plus 135. Now, when we talk about system feds, we talk about Jan Blankovic. So, uh, what's the deal here, man? Look, this fight is fairly simple to me. Yes, Devin Clark is green. He's very inexperienced. Yeah, he did He did get knocked out by Alex Nicholson. But, uh, you know, that was at 185 in his UFC, UFC debut in his hometown with all that pressure. Okay, he loses that fight. Then he comes in there versus Stansberry. You know, still looking a little green, but clearly won the fight. Showed the tools needed to beat Jan. And then he comes in here against Jake Collier and completely dominates him 30-27 in a fight that wasn't close at all. He beat Collier on the feet, he beat him in the clinch, and he beat him in the wrestling. And, you know, my thing with Jan is, yeah, Jan's a good striker for three minutes. For for three minutes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, he, rocked, he rocked Pat Cummins. Who hasn't rocked Pat Cummins? Okay. You know what I'm saying? So and my thing with Jan is the more you make him work, the more I want Devin to come out here and make him sprawl, even if he doesn't get it right away. Just just the fact that you're making Jan sprawl and making him get back up because Jan likes to do a lot of stupid shit, like engage in the wrestling, try to take, you know, try he tries to take guys down when he has them hurt and he tries to clinch and just so he can rest, but he doesn't know that it's actually not a good idea for him. And uh, I think he's going to do the same. Nothing's changed. Way back UFC 191 against Corey Anderson, who was 6-1 and one at the time in green, coming off a knockout loss. Jan won the exchanges for about three minutes, and then Corey took over that fight, and Jan put his hands on his knees in the third round and quit. And then, you know, he comes in here versus, uh, against, uh, who did he fight after that? Then he, he fights Igor, Igor Prokryic on short notice in Croatia, and, uh, I mean, bro, like, Igor Prokryic is that guy that you bring in to get an easy win, and I know Igor was in his hometown or whatnot, but... Jan got wobbled in that fight. Jan actually had to become the wrestler and take Igor down. It's actually funny. But he got through that just because Igor Prokaric, the Duke, even though I like him, he's he's not a UFC-level fighter. And then, you know, he comes in here versus uh, and the you know, the hoorah, the big moment of his career. He's got a chance to take out the best uh, light heavyweight in Europe. And, you know, he throws big bombs early, but Gus took him down, and he stayed on top, and Jan didn't get back up, and the fight was over. The more you make Jan wrestle, I'm talking like one wrestling exchange, Jan's huffing and puffing. And I know Clark's green, and the thing is, people are afraid that Clark's going to like go in there and trade in the pocket with him. If you watch the tape, Clark doesn't do that. Clark stays at range. Clark's throwing kicks out from the outside. And I mean, uh, he explodes in, and when he when he does bang, it's very brief. It's it's in and out, and he's gonna he's gonna outwork Jan here. He's gonna make him tired. The first round will be a little, not even the first round. The first three minutes will be a little sketchy, and you know after that, Devin Clark's gonna get a takedown, and Jan's not gonna get back up. And when he does, Clark's actually gonna get on get off on the feet and beat him up on the feet. And you know Clark's gonna gonna win this fight handily, thirty twenty seven on two cards, twenty nine twenty eight, and uh, he's gonna get the biggest win of his career. I'm gonna go with Devin Clark as well. I mean, with Jan Blankovic, he's a one kick wonder. Yeah, he uh, liver kicked Alir Latifi. Congratulations, great win. But ever since then, I mean, he's looked like absolute dog shit, and that's just being real with it. You know what I mean? Anytime he fights a wrestler. Corey Anderson, anytime he fights a chinny wrestler, Corey Anderson, Pat Cummins, and now it's about to be Devin Clark. I mean, we already know what's going to happen here. First three minutes are going to be kind of sketchy, but like you said, Devin Clark doesn't even trade in the pocket. He stays at range, and, you know, Jan Blankovic, he's got terrible, 
gas tank management, man. You know what I'm saying? Like he'll uh, he'll even try to initiate takedowns of his own, which is what we want. Okay, keep keep burning yourself out, Jan. And then on the mat, you know, he won't try to just hold on and let and let the ref uh, stand you up. He'll try to attempt arm bars and triangles and sweeps. And it's like, dude, you don't have that level jujitsu. It's not going to happen, especially against one of these wrestlers with serious top control. So. Look, man, he's going to get grinded out. He might even get finished. You know, there's only so many of those 15-minute ass whoopings you can take. Eventually, you're going to get pounded out. I don't know if this is going to be that time. However, I do believe Devin Clark will walk away with the victory. I don't have a bet on it yet. You know, I ain't crazy about the minus 150, even though, you know, it it should be probably minus 200, right? But it's just I don't like playing those prices. But what I might do is put it in an open parlay. We'll make talks pretty soon. But, yeah, my pick is Devin Clark. Co-main event of the evening. We got Carolina Kowalkowicz. She's minus 470. The comeback on Jody Escabel is plus 375. Now, uh, were you surprised by this matchup? Uh, who, who the fuck is uh, Jody Escabel? You know, they just needed, uh, I'm assuming they just needed Carolina to get back on track and get a win in, you know, her home country. And uh, Escabel, man, to be honest, she's actually a chick I was looking to fade in an Invicta against uh, Olivia Souza, you know, the Brazilian in Invicta. And I thought Souza was going to end up finishing her, and I was going to bet it. Um, and, you know, now she's fighting Carolina. You know, initially I was thinking about if Carolina was less than minus four to, you know, finish my uh, Brad Tavares parlay with that. But, you know, I'm out of I'm out of those things after the uh, Magomed Bubalatov, you know, KO loss. I'll never, oh, my God. I'll never do anything like that again. And Adriano Martins. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. But um, good thing we passed on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so um, I'm definitely out of that business. I think she'll win the fight handedly. I don't think Escabel's on that level. I've seen her get – she lost to Yoder. It was a close fight. It probably should have went to a third round, but she did lose to Yoder. She um, got butchered by Grasso, like, in a bloody fight. Um, Grasso had her leaking everywhere. I just don't – I think she's too – I think she's more likely fits at, like, Adam Wade. I think she used to fight at Adam Wade, if I'm not mistaken. I just think there's such a big length advantage and – uh, a distance knowledge advantage. Carolina can, you know, drop her hands for this one and pick her off from the outside, maybe get a takedown here and there and get the clear win. Yeah, look, Carolina's going to get this win. I think she's going to beat her up in the clinch. And, you know, I know Carolina's a bit hittable. She likes to get into brawls, but she's going to be tougher than this chick and she's going to fire off devastating knees to the body. Maybe she's going to let her hands go more this time than she has in the past. I mean, don't don't forget about that time that she uh, she uh, stumbled the champion, the best female pound-for-pound fighter of all time. Beat Rose. Uh, uh she rocked her. And, you know, she we cashed that plus 215 against Rose in Atlanta in front of Rose's family. You know how it goes, man. This game's ruthless. So uh, I got the minus five whatever. Oh, she's minus four seventy. A little, a little action came in on Jody Escavel. That's kind of funny. But look, you know, I ain't betting it because of the price. But the pick is Carolina, and uh, you know, her and uh, Mahmoud are gonna have a nice little celebration <laughs> after. Main event of the evening: Donald Cowboy Cerrone's minus one fifty. The comeback on Darren Till is plus one thirty. What are you thinking, bro? Man, this is uh, like we said earlier. You know, prospect versus uh, veteran, and. What makes me want to stay away from this fight is, you know, I've been looking to fade till for a while, and you know, it didn't, it didn't uh, come through against Boyan, and you know, Cerrone, he's a guy that I like to fade a lot, you know what I'm saying? Um, because I know Cerrone can be punked out. Like, like for his last fight against Robbie Lawler, 
in my personal opinion, you know what I'm saying, if you guys go back and watch, I felt like Robbie straight punked him out. Like, I felt like that blitz Robbie hit him off with right off the bat wasn't shit, in my opinion. Like, if you actually watch it, a lot of the chants were glancing. And, like, Robbie did that because he knows that he can punk Cerrone out early because Cerrone, you know, he's, he's timid. He, he's kind of scared of Robbie. He wants to be a friend, you know. He, he's one of those type of guys. And the reason why I want to stay away from this fight, um, the left kick to the body, which is Cerrone's kryptonite throughout his career kicks to the body until those left kicks to the body even though it's like one of the few strikes he does throw and the straight left and you know uh for example when rda had that fight with magni you know i you know people were talking about betting magni and i was like you know if rda could be any one of these guys at 170 you know it's i had a short list of guys that he can be and magni was one of those on on that list and you know for till if he can be any one of these guys in that upper echelon of 170, I think Cerrone should be on that list because, you know, he never lost two in a row before his last fight. And, you know, the guy just, he can be punked out. I feel like Till can get in his head. I feel like if Till comes ready early, starts landing hard body kicks, like right off the bat, which he should do. I mean, we know how to beat Cerrone. Southpaws, left kicks to the bodies, and straight lefts. If Till comes out here and gets off to a good start, I feel like he's going to punk out Cerrone, and I feel like Cerrone will eventually, you know, go down to a body kick or just a combo, a combination of the hands and the body kick, but uh, I'm going to go with Till here. I wouldn't be shocked if Cerrone wins. That's how the trend goes lately, you know, the vets beating the shit out of the prospects, but uh, I'm still I'm still open to fading Till against the right guy, you know, I just want it to be someone like Zaleski or, yeah, uh, yeah, but you know what I'm saying, uh, I just think uh, if he could get one at Cerrone, and I actually think he will. It's such a good fight because this is going to let us know exactly where Darren Till is. A lot of us have a lot of questions. Now, I have a lot of hesitation betting on undefeated fighters, as you know, Shaq, because everyone has to take that first L. No one is exempt. Not even Khabib, as you know, you know, Tiramisu and the scales and this and that. But look, no one's exempt from that first L, man. And in this spot... It is interesting because you brought up some great points. Darren Till does a lot of things that give Cowboy Cerrone problems. He kicks to the body. He's a southpaw. He's got a beautiful straight left. But he also does some things that play in the Cowboy's favor. For example, he he doesn't mind being friends with you inside the octagon. You remember with uh, Bojan? You know, Bojan's going in there giving him a hug and a high five. And, and you know, until doesn't mind. Same thing with Ayari. Same thing with Dalby. You know, Till's fine being your friend in there. But I've also heard Till say that he hasn't gone past second gear in the UFC. Even though we saw that Dalby fight where he kind of had to, and we know what happened there. But we'll give him the benefit of the doubt for that one, right, Shaq? But uh, you know, according to him and his coaches, he's never been past second gear in the UFC. So when he was fighting Boyan, I said the way for Boyan to beat him is leg kicks and takedowns. First two minutes of that fight, go watch it. Boyan's doing the strategy perfectly. He's throwing the leg kicks. I'm like, yes, Boyan. And then out of nowhere, you know, you know, you got a 50k bonus the fight before, and he decides, I'm not gonna be the boring point fighter that I'm known for. Now I'm gonna put on a show. Now I'm gonna put my hands up and start dancing, start ta- start taunting, start being someone I'm not. And right away, Darren Till uh, trapped his wrist and threw a big elbow down the middle and dropped him. And uh, rightfully so, Boyan got what he deserved. You know, you're not an exciting fighter, Boyan. You are a boring point fighter. Do what you are known for. In this case, with Donald Cerrone, I think 
once again, like I thought the leg kicks and takedowns were going to be big weapons last time. I think they're going to be big weapons this time. Obviously, we know about the leg kicks of Donald Cerrone. I don't got to talk about that, but let's talk about his double leg. He hits that double leg on everyone he fights. I'm talking about guys like RDA. I'm talking about guys like Robbie Lawler. The list goes on. He took down Rick Story, Patrick Cote. I mean, he takes down literally everybody that he fights, and I don't see why it's going to be any different here. So it's one of these cases where either Darren Till is really just that good, and, and I don't know it, and if that's the case and he goes out there, and Spark Cerrone, hey man, you know, sky's the limit, you know what I'm saying? But I, I, I think, and you know what? I actually think he's got a higher ceiling than Cerrone. You know why? Because he wants to be champion, unlike Cerrone. Cerrone doesn't want to be champion. Cerrone just wants to show up, get that 100K, drink that Budweiser, go jet skiing, you know what I'm fucking saying? Climb mountains, you know, you know, you know what he wants to do, chew tobacco and all this fucking shit. But uh, Darren Till actually wants to be the world champion. And I, I'm not saying that he won't be a world champion one day, but everyone has to take that first L. I think this will be his first L, Shaq. I think the leg kicks, the takedowns are going to be big weapons in this fight. And I think the deep waters will also be a big weapon in this fight. And I don't think that Cerrone completely got punked out against against Robbie. Because, look, the first round, yeah, he was taking all the shots. But that second round, he's coming out there. He landed a takedown. He was throwing big head kicks off the clinch break. So, you know, I mean, the guy, I know people th try to act like he's kind of a pussy. But I don't think he is. I think he's tough as fuck. I just think he's got a, a liver issue. And if you kick him right in the body just like you do to Matt Brown, you know, some dude's got chin issues, some dude's got, you know, choke issues, kind of like Ally Akinta, you put your your arm around his neck, he's going out, it is what it is, and some people got body issues, and uh, <laughs> that sounds kind of funny in these times, right, <laughs> some people got liver issues, and I think that's uh, Cerrone, and does he have a li liver issue because he, he's simply weak to the body, does he have a liver issue because he drinks so much, and we know drinking goes straight to your liver, or is it because he got into that accident, and they removed half of his, uh, half of his fucking liver, or was it his colon, I don't fucking remember, but bottom line is, you know, he, he's had some shit done to him, I just think he's so much more experienced, I mean, we're talking about with Till, a guy who... And all credit to him, he's looked great in his wins, but, you know, wins over Wendell Oliveira, Dalby, Ayari, Boyan, you know, all respect, great Euro prospects, but now we're dealing with a, a perennial top five guy, and historically speaking, Cowboy does not lose to anyone that's not in the top five, and you can't base fights off that, because, you know, Matt Sarah beat GSP, you know what I'm saying, shit, crazy shit happens all the time, but I have to think Donald Cerrone is going to hand there until the first L of his of his career, Darren Till will be back, and if Darren Till comes out here and knocks out Cerrone, hey, holy shit, sky is the limit, but look, I think Darren Till takes his first L here, and I think he gets back on track after, but Shaq, we gotta talk about the fight to watch, and the fighter to watch, so what is the fight to watch for UFC Gdansk? Um, the fight to watch, I'm gonna go with, uh, I'm gonna go with, uh, Andre Philly versus, uh, Artem Lobov. Um, that should be a good fight, I think. Both guys like to stand and trade. Artem's always exciting. You know, he's probably going to be talking shit in there. And uh, I think they're going to have a solid uh, knock, as we call it. I feel like if Philly knocks him out, he'll be the first guy to ever, uh, well, not the first guy, but the first guy in a while to finish Artem with strikes. And I mean, if Artem can pull this one off, I mean, that's a huge win. 
Yeah, 100% about it. And I'm going to go with Oscar Piachota versus Jonathan Wilson. I feel like Oscar is one of these guys where if you watch some of his earlier fights, you might not be as impressed. But when you see that career evolution, when you see those last two knockouts he's had where he's absolutely floored these guys. And with Jonathan Wilson dropping down 20 pounds, is he going to be a lot better? He needs this win. I mean, his career is on the line. So for that reason, that is my fight to watch, Shaq. So, man, I got to ask you, who's the fighter to watch for UFC Gdansk? Uh, the fighter to watch for me is going to be Devin Clark, man. I think he's going to go out here. I think he's going to, uh, pull off the biggest win of his career in another guy's home country. And, uh, I'm interested to see how he, uh, makes Jan break. And uh, I can't wait for him to make Jan work. And, you know, we'll see how that cardio holds up. But, you know, two or five short, short with guys that are up and coming. I mean, it's arguably the weakest division in the uh, UFC and, uh, Devin Clark could add his name to that list. Yeah, my fighter to watch is Ramazan Amiv. I mean, anytime you get one of these Russian prospects who's coming in and he's fighting a UFC vet who's had over 10 fights in the UFC and over 30 fights in his career... I mean, that's a big step up in competition. I mean, he's never fought someone with the experience of Sam Alvey. And if he can go out there, get that win, I mean, he might even immediately put himself in the top 15 of the middleweight division. People are going to take notice if Amiv goes out there and beats a guy like Sam Alvey. I mean, Sam Alvey's got wins over Rashad Evans, Dan Kelly, Cesar Mutanch, Nate Marquardt. So if Ramazan Amiv can go out there and defeat the, defeat the very experienced and seasoned Sam Alvey, it'll work wonders for his career and put him right on the cusp of the top 15. Well, Shaq, we did it, man. UFC Gdansk is going down this Saturday afternoon on UFC Fight Pass. Can't wait for it. Uh, let them know what's up, where to follow you, and uh, anything else you got coming up, bro? Um, yeah, follow me, MMA Genius 05. All my plays are on Capertech, uh, TSM Genius. And uh, now it's uh, time to go on a little streak here. It, it really is, man. It's the end of the year. You know what I'm saying? About to tighten up. Look. The long-term results have been here all year, but now it's time to end with a bang. That's exactly what I plan to do. That's what I'm known for, and that's what I'm going to do. Follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Shaq and I will be back next week with our very special guest, Albert the Warrior Morales, to break down UFC Sao Paulo, one of the best cards of the year. And we're going to just keep knocking out some very good interviews with guys that that we're going to be betting on. You know, that's what's so awesome about the guys that we interview. You know, you see these guys that are that'll interview anyone and everyone and you don't even want to fucking hear from these guys. We're going to interview the guys you guys want to hear from, the guys we're going to bet on. We want to know the inside details, what they're thinking, what they're planning, these game plans, how they feel about being underdogs. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.